Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hey, and welcome to Mainstream by Sifter. If this is the first time listening to the show, welcome, because Mainstream is Sifter's review podcast where the team at sifter.com.au and our friends discuss experiences playing a variety of different games. My name is Gianni, and my co-host on this episode is Adam Christou. Hey, Adam. Hey, how's it going? Adam, you've been a meow meow kitty cat in this new sci-fi cyberpunk game, Stray, from French developers Blue 12. Uh, Give us a very quick taste before we find out what's happening in the news this week. There is a button that you can press in this game, and at any time, you can meow. Let's leave it there before we jump in to find out what is happening and been making the news this week in the latest episode of Walkthrough. This is Mainstream. What is Stray? Stray is, I guess it's a third-person action-adventure game. It's a bit of a puzzler, um, but rather than being like a, a bipedal person or, or a human, you play as a cat. And that's been the big draw for a lot of people is sort of an exploration-adventure game, sort of linear narrative story game, but you are thrown into the, the feet or the paws of a cat, um, and it leans in heavily into the way that cats explore um, and kind of move through urban environments um, and sort of the tropes and expectations of what it's like to play as an animal in a space. Um, and yeah, it's 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 kind of like, it's not revolutionary in the sense that like if you've played a pretty kind of forward narrative, story-driven um, kind of platformer adventure game, then you kind of know what you're getting into with a game like Stray. But I think where the the interesting elements lie is the way that it's leaned into you being an animal how that animal animates um, and how you experience the world through the perspective of being a cat, which I, I, I find is kind of the big success of, of Stray in particular. It's uh, a game that I think a lot of people are really excited for. It looks beautiful um, when you're going through this this world as you're exploring it. Um, there's sort of a mysterious uh, sort of history you you know you're a cat you don't know everything um you're a pretty smart cat though really because in the grand scheme of things you're you're a person controlling this cat so you know you get to understand what's happening to this this world and i think as um as some people have highlighted and adam i know you've mentioned this before as well it's the interesting contrast between the perspective you would take as a person walking through this world and the perspective of being an animal in this world and the sort of different expectations that come from from those two contrasts. Um, tell me, how do you play in this game? What do you do and, and what's the sort of main, uh, you know, quest that you're on? Yeah, so the game sort of opens up with you in sort of like an in-between environment, if you will. So this this game is set in sort of a dystopian cyberpunk future. Um, and at the beginning of the game, you wake up and you are just one stray cat amongst a group of, of feral cats living out in the wilds um sort of on the edge of of this city 
um, that that seems to be walled off or or in a dome, if you will. It's kind of been hiding away from the rest of the world. And, um, you know, in classic sort of post-apocalyptic setting, nature is sort of reclaiming elements of, of urban infrastructure and there's plants growing everywhere. And just on a daily exploration, as this cat kind of moving around with your pack, you get separated when a piece of kind of environment breaks and sends you flying into the sewers of this city. And very quickly, the narrative sort of sets itself up as you are this poor lone cat all by yourself, and you've got to get home. Um, there's layers and elements that that feed into that idea of like getting home, going back to nature that sort of develop over time as your cat explores this environment, comes across mysterious creatures that seem to be feeding on the waste in this sort of abandoned city, and then eventually befriends uh, a robot intelligence that is trying to um, kind of free the the remaining inhabitants of this cyberpunk city who are all um, robots. Um, humanity seems to have disappeared in this world so that they can explore the world outside. Um, so in an essence, for you as the cat, it's about getting back to your family. A cat's getting back to nature. Um, but along the way, you're also kind of fulfilling this quest of hopefully um, opening up this walled off city uh, to the rest of the wider world and to nature and the environment around it. So there is, um, I guess, a contrasting theme between sort of like um, locked up um, urban environments that are covered with neon signs that don't get natural light. It's very Midgar and Final Fantasy VII. It's very Hong Kong. It, it draws influences from Hong Kong like very clearly in its architecture and its designs. Um, but at the same time, it's also playing with the idea of like the beauty of nature and the, the, the idea that nature is out of grasp in this world at the moment, people are unable to fully experience the natural world that they may have, um, heard about or seen in photos or images. And so, yeah, you, you play a cat in this world and you do lots of cat-like things <laughs> while you explore environments. Um, you know, you have the aforementioned, uh, meow button, which is just like, it's just there. You press it, you can meow. Um, but the thing that I, I really enjoyed about this game was the way that it plays with your expectations of moving through a three-dimensional environment. Um, you know, we talk about this idea of games literacy. So as you play more video games, you develop a literacy or a way of reading and understanding the signifiers and design intentions of video games subconsciously that help you play them better. And a lot of, you know, third-person action games will use clear... Um, design elements that allow you to sort of understand the pathway through an environment. So say, for example, you boot up something like Uncharted and you might be in a jungle level, you can clearly see the straight line that you need to get from A to B in that jungle. Whereas someone who has very little games literacy might just be like, I'm in a jungle, I can go anywhere I want and not know that they're walking up against invisible walls. And what I really like about this game is that it kind of takes those conventions of games literacy that we've all kind of built up over time and go, but you're a cat now, so you actually have to kind of recontextualize how you move through this space the way a cat would. So uh, a fence on the side of an area that kind of moves around uh, a location is now your walkway, as opposed to wanting to walk down the street. You'll hop onto a small pillar and you'll walk across it like a cat would. Um, you want to start thinking a lot more vertically when you're traversing spaces as well, because cats have great leaping skills and they can be quite vertical at times. So you'll be constantly using movement and jumping techniques to kind of snap jump onto higher spaces to try and find a vertical path through an environment rather than trying to find 
a horizontal way to get around through spaces. It creates lots of really kind of interesting short mini platforming puzzles, if you will, as you try to feel out the best way that a cat would actually navigate the environment as opposed to a person or a bipedal kind of character in a space. And I think that's a really successful and interesting way that this game sort of, I guess, gamifies the experience of being a cat. It's amazing not having hands changes the way that you interact with a 3D space. Um, And I... You know, several moments I noticed when I was playing this game, you would quite often come up to a ledge or an edge and you're like, okay, well, I need to get down to ground floor level. Um, And I would just press X against, you know, to jump to the next platform. But there wasn't anywhere to jump to, so the cat didn't let me jump, um, which made sense. So it took a bit more of me having to actually really look up and down as you're doing. There's lots of opportunities as well to just look for those tiny little gaps upon, um, you know, platforms and things like that. You might be crawling underneath something or looking for a windowsill or, or all of these sort of things. And it's it is, it's a, a different way to move through a space. And it is almost like you've kind of been magnetized to a surface in a way because you always have to be moving between different hard surfaces. But it was really cool to, to play it in that way. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really interesting in how this game sort of operates in almost two like gear shifts, if, if you want to use an analogy, where it's like a lot of this game is very linear pathways and, and very narrative based where you're moving from point A to point B to kind of further the story. And what you're doing during those moments is navigating environments, essentially, and working out the best pathway through. And there might be some moments of tension where you might be chased by something and need to escape it, or you might need to come up with a time-sensitive puzzle to get through something. And then the other half of this game, uh, these more sort of like free-form, almost like mini open-world spaces that are carefully handcrafted environments where you get a lot more freedom to do side quests which is not a thing that I thought cats would ever want to do, but you can. You can collect interesting things and give them to people around town. Um, You can find and solve weird little platforming puzzles in these spaces, and you're generally kind of let off the narrative leash for a while to just relax and explore and climb until you have the desire to move on to the next part of the story beat, at which point you just follow the story and and move out of these spaces. And there's, there's almost like a friction and a disconnect between these two moments because i suppose the narrative spaces are all about the movement and feel of being a cat in a narrative in 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 an environment or a space and the exploration based sequences take that element but then also just give you the sandbox freedom of like well i'm a cat and i'm going to do cat things now i'm going to climb into someone's apartment and i'm going to knock all their stuff off their shelves and then i'm going to meow at them and i'm going to leave or i'm going to walk over here and i'm going to scratch this wall because i can and you can generally be a bit of a nuisance it has that sort of like playful feel that a game like untitled goose game had it's sort of permission to be a jerk in cat form which is really fun and really enjoyable but feels almost out of place with what the other half of this game wants to do, which is take you on this sort of like bespoke narrative experience with high stakes and emotions. And I've got to say that I actually enjoy the tomfoolery and fun of just being a jerk of a cat to a bunch of robots more than I did the sort of kind of more straightforward narrative moments in this game. And I I feel like there's almost room to explore the idea of, of, of puzzles and, and little fun game things that you can do just by inhabiting the experience and expectations of being a cat in a space that I think is way more interesting than some of the narrative stuff that this game does. 
Were you surprised? I was surprised by the amount of dialogue there is in this game. Um, it's all written dialogue. It's not spoken. You hear the little robots got a tw- chirping at you, you sort of meow. Um, but it is a te- it's a much text, more text-heavy game than I thought it was going to be based on the trailers that they showed you when it first was being released. Yeah, I, w- I was surprised by that as well. Um, you know, um, slight spoilers for anyone playing. We're going to try and avoid big story beats, but um, you get paired up with a little companion robot very early on in this game who acts as your translator and talks on your behalf. Because you're a cat, you can't really talk to people. You're going to meow. So little robot will translate um, the other robots in this world, speak on your behalf and, and help you solve puzzles. And yeah, there is a lot of reading here there is a lot of texture here there is a world that's been set up and built there's different factions and 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 robots that have different goals for the world that they live in um and i wasn't expecting any of that going in and i actually like some of the texture that they're built into this world with those characters but yeah i still keep thinking to myself i'm having more fun sitting on a perch waiting for a robot to throw a can of paint to a friend so that I can press the meow button at the right time and make him drop the paint on the ground and just be frustrated than I am like engaging with this narrative. Like I want to climb into someone's room and knock stuff off their walls. (laughs) I don't, I, I like, sure. It's great that I'm on this like quest to help this robot, like free this walled city. Um, but I'm more interested in, just kind of pressing the uh, interaction button with the robots and being able to snuggle up against their legs as a cat and purr. Um, and that that's, I don't know if that's a negative for the storyline because I actually think the writing in this game is not that bad at all. Um, but it, it didn't grab me in the way that like the, the moment to moment elements of like just goofing off as a cat did. I think it's interesting um, when you think about the way that it was framed, I'm wondering, you know, this is a hypothetical, we will probably never know the answer to this question, but whether or not there was a version of this game where there was no dialogue, where everything was kind of communicated through environmental cues. And, um, you know, there is moments in it where, example, for example, you know, you have to go back to just being a cat um, without all the extra layers. And you can still navigate the space. But I'm wondering, is that because you've been taught all the way through where you're going that you know where you're going and you know some of the npc characters kind of point to where they need you to do particular things um you know i'm just you know there are sort of compromises that are made in every piece of you know game design and that's just the way that it is and uh, you know i'd be curious to see if there was a you know a world where this could have been a completely dialogueless world and whether that would have made it for the better or for the worse it's just something to think about Mm. It, it's an interesting thing that you bring up that because all of the robot characters in this game have like computer monitor faces <laughs> where they can kind of quickly flash on their face like an emoji emotion. faces yeah um they have emoji faces but like there's an opportunity to create a language of pictograms here that they could have used on their actual faces to communicate with you rather than language and text and it could have been really evocative and interesting to see this game play with its own signifiers and language that it could have built around like the expressions of these robots instead of having a translator droid for you, basically. Um, And it would have been really interesting to see this game um, because it has beautiful environments and really well-crafted spaces. Try to lean in heavily into using those spaces to convey its story rather than tell it to you in a lot of ways. And, you know, that's maybe that sort of convention that we've grown to expect from games from like Elden Ring or Bloodborne or, you know, FromSoft games where the environment tells so much of the story without someone having to say something but 
yeah, I, I feel like there was almost a missed opportunity here to go dialogueless and to like let you actually be a cat and be like, I can't talk to these people, but I can try to feel it out and figure it out as I'm looking at this space. And the spaces are really compelling. They do actually look phenomenal. You know, I'm just curious as to, you know, maybe that was a limitation of the way that they could tell this story. Um, you know, it was much more tricky to build a narrative that is, is wordless and communicated entirely that way. So um, let's talk a little bit about this world that it's in. Now, it is a world that, as you said, is ex- extremely evocative of uh, Hong Kong, um, and in particular, the, the walled city of Kowloon, which was demolished um, in the sort of 90s, uh, but it was this place that was like a little enclave um, where the buildings used to lean against each other. They were so close. uh, And that's part of what you're exploring in this world. Tell me about what it was like to sort of see this environment because some some reviewers, um, including uh, some of the reviewers at at Kotaku, for example, have highlighted that, you know, this is a trap and it's a trope that... um, you know, cyberpunk games tend to fall into this Eastern Orientalism. Sisi uh, Jiang at Kotaku, for example, has highlighted this as, as one of the major concerns about this particular game. Yeah, Sisi um, Jiang's uh, piece is actually really incredible. And I think we're going to pop it in the show notes so that you can check it out and read it. Um, but yeah, that was my first moment, like playing this game really quickly. I was like, okay, um, we are going into that sort of Orientalism thing that that cyberpunk always tends to fall into. Like there's people with rice paddy hats and it's sort of like, why are these robots wearing these hats other than you're signifying like Orientalism on like a really kind of base level. Um, and, you know, it's that sort of idea of, of Orientalism and cyberpunk comes from that fear in the 80s when Japan was a rising economy in the world and there was this fear that the world would become Orientalized and you saw it manifest in in a lot of media like Blade Runner. You saw it in things like Neuromancer kind of come to the fore as well. And, you know, it, it, it does feel like it's still lazy to see it in a game like this. And you know, the developers did say in an interview, um, I think it was USA Today, and it's quoted in the Kotaku article as well, that, you know, they felt that the walled city of Hong Kong was the perfect playground for a cat with all its kind of cramped environments and kind of verticality around it that kind of makes it fun to kind of move and navigate through. But, you know, that particular city has such an intense um, history behind it um you know there is there is a lot of complexity in that space that doesn't actually get explored in this game and to kind of pull the iconography and and feel of that space but not kind of comment on where it actually historically fits within our world feels a bit weird when you're playing it it's like another missed opportunity it's like kind of going oh well we think this looks cool so we're going to use it um but not thinking about what it actually means and and says about like a society which i think is a bit disappointing um yeah so i I guess i was a little bit like okay sure um but yeah i i I don't know i feel like there's we've still got a long way to go um with with the cyberpunk genre sort of really kind of actually exploring these ideas and moving away from the simplicity of of reaching into Orientalism and the history of this genre kind of pulling those tropes and that that imagery out, the sort of big neon signs that evoke Japan or Hong Kong or Tokyo um, that were all over Blade Runner, for example, and then influence things like Cyberpunk 2077. Um, you know, they're, they're imagery and signifiers that you can't escape in this genre 
but there are ways to not do it. And, you know, I think of Citizen Sleeper is a great example of a cyberpunk kind of futuristic dystopian sci-fi setting that I think kind of moved away from some of the traditional tropes of Orientalism. And it was kind of refreshing to, to play a game like that, that was like, no, we're not going to lean into these really kind of cliche elements all the time. And it would be nice for other cyberpunk games to kind of go, there are other ways to explore this. Another game that does it really excellently is um, the Chinatown Detective Agency, which is a point-and-click uh, adventure game that's come out. And it's made by Singaporean developers. Um, and you can see it is a, a modernization of what Singapore looks like today, but it's not dramatically different from what you see. Like the big thing you know about when you go to Singapore, for example, is it's not all grime and dirt. It's beautiful trees and environmental stuff all the time. Like everywhere is green and there's flowers everywhere and all of that sort of stuff. And that's wrapped into a bit of the, you know, the, the streets have a bit of neon in the middle of that sort of thing, where they talk at length about building this sort of realistic cyberpunk world that is, is grounded in the reality by creators who live in that space as well. So it is an, it's, it's a contrasting position. And I think, you know, the the way that you can write a cyberpunk story has evolved from what we expected in the 80s and when you see um, examples that uh you know seem to take the aesthetic only of cyberpunk and nothing else um it kind of um it, it can it can grate across the rate of, of a game yeah it's just like we've we've we're having this conversation already we've been having it for several years with this genre so it's it's a shame that it seems to have been missed again <laughs> and yet another big kind of like uh, cyberpunk game that's come out in the last couple of years. So um, I guess my my hope is that, you know, there's been some really great writing and some really fantastic pieces by authors out there that have kind of really critiqued um, how this game sort of fails in this department. And my hope is that other game developers will look at that, read that and, and think about how they um, appropriate a, a real historical place. And if they do decide to appropriate a real historical place in their game and set their game in that environment, that they think about what that space actually is and who lives there and the stories that are there that are, that are kind of human stories, you know? Um, and, you know, maybe, th maybe that'll happen one day. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. Um, I don't think yeah, that it is disappointing that, that, you know, Stray sort of leans heavily into that. Um, I think it's a, a game that is is quite enjoyable, and it's one of the uh, release games uh, that was came out on day and date on the new PlayStation Plus subscription. Um, it is, I think, the perfect game for that sort of subscription. It is one where, if you are wanting to play a new experience, uh, dip your toes in, much like we've seen with games that have come out on the Xbox Game Pass as well. I think it suits perfectly for what this is. It is quite a short experience, which I think is good because it doesn't overstay its welcome. I think it did as much as it needed to do um but you you know you you do move through it pretty quickly so i'm it is one of those things that i wonder if, if you know if people are playing part of the subscription the value is there is quite high so yeah i actually don't mind shorter games that have like a, a you know a moderate price tag to them I, I think shorter game experiences shorter narrative experiences are actually good it's nice to have um something that feels this sort of quick and and focused um yeah, like I, I know that there was a bit of discourse online around like the length of games and what we expect from game length after Stray came out because a few people um, looked at price tag and were like, are we getting what we should be getting? And I, I think actually in this case, yes, I think you are. Um, and yeah, I it is definitely one of, like, as I would call it, a perfect Games Pass game um, or now I guess PlayStation Plus game. Um, 
and I, yeah, I, I, I want to see more interesting, quirky, short form games like this. Um, I will say though, that this game does have um, a stealth sequence. I'm not going to um, go into details about like the story or the plot reasoning around a stealth sequence, but I do not like stealth sequences in these games. They are not fun. They weren't fun with Ocarina of Time um, a billion years ago when you had to like sneak past those guards. It's not fun now. Um, so um, that's my downside for this game. Fun game until the stealth sequence. I didn't mind the stealth sequence. I thought it was very easy. I didn't think it was like a tricky thing to, to navigate through. You've got plenty of tells from the enemies about where you're doing it. And there's no penalty for failing as well if you end up getting blasted. Um, it's you know, take it's it. not tricky. It's just annoying. I don't want to deal with it. It's annoying. <laughs> it's only one little part of it. There's many, many other parts of it where you don't need to do that. But yeah, I think it's a really ex- interesting and exciting world to to visit. Um, I think it doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, it's cool to play as a as a cat through a game. It just is straight up. It's cool. It's really great. And um, you know, getting to be this world and just sit next to people on cushions as they're playing, you know, plinky plinky guitar and stuff like that. It's awesome. It's just really fun to do that. And I really like the fact that it's a nice succinct experience that people can play so that is stray by blue 12 Uh, it's out now on the playstation 4 and 5 as well as pc sit down for a chat with your pals in video games this is mainstream This has been Mainstream Sifter's Review Podcast. My name is Gianni. You can read a written version of this review on the Sifter website. There's a link in the show notes, or you can head to sifter.com.au. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the Mainstream theme music. Sifter is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Carl Paletto, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang, Adam Christo, who is my co-host on this episode. Thank you, Adam. No worries. Mitch Lowe is senior producer. My name is Gianni Giovanni, and I'm the executive producer of Sifter. Thanks to Omni Studio for their support of Sifter's three podcasts. And those three podcasts are Lightmap, our interview show featuring conversations with game developers, creatives, and people who are doing cool things in interactive media. We've also got Walkthrough, which is Sifter's weekly recap of news and video games. All the release announcements, controversies, and what games are coming out in the coming days. You can uh, check out Walkthrough and feel refreshed with knowledge of what's happening in the gaming world. And you've been listening to Mainstream. It's our review podcast. Recommend us to your friends if you enjoyed the show or check out some of our other episodes. But until next time, have fun. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled.